from KMUW Studios in Wichita, Kansas. This is Books and Whatnot. I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. And I'm Beth Golay, host of KMUW's Marginalia podcast. This episode was recorded on July 14th, 2022. Any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. It's July, Beth. You know what that means. We skipped June. <laughs> well, okay, well, no, what does that mean? The cloud. <laughs> no, it means oh, we're halfway there. Halfway through the year. That's true. Halfway through our reading year. And you know what I tend to do at this time every year is reflect and upon. Sing. <laughs> and, well, I do that every day, all the time. But I tend to reflect on favorite books so far, things like that. Have you had a good reading year so far, you think? I think I have. You have. I, my list of books to bring to this episode is very, very short. I am in something of a reading slump. Do you ever go through that yourself? Well, do you remember all of my past Octobers? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that as a memoir title for you. (laughs) All of my past Octobers by Beth Golay. Um, it would be pretty empty. Well, I, <laughs> it's a very short book, very slim, right. a slim volume, That's as right. the booksellers say. Well, I've had a lot going on in my life. I've bought a house. I moved. I've been, you know, dealing with all of that entails with that packing, unpacking, painting walls. Like things have sort of taken precedence over reading, and in most phases of my life, I still am able to sit down at some point and and you know, pick up a book and get into it. For some reason, here over the past month or so, it has been a real challenge for me to concentrate, to really, you know, I don't know. I, it's just, it's taken a back burner. And I have to, you know, sort of <laughs> reflect on that and think about what I tell other people. when Because I give advice to other people all the time who are like, I don't know how you read so much. And I'm like, oh, really? It's just like... There are different phases of your life. When I had a new baby, I did not read, I think, for two years, Mm. at least, for pleasure anyway. And so now I just have to think that I need to give myself some grace. And You really do. Yeah. You've had a lot going on. Yeah. So I feel like you have to just give yourself a break and know in your heart that, you know, if reading is important to you, as it is (laughs) for me, as you know and everyone knows, it's going to come back. Um, But it's just, yeah, it's been a slow summer, but... My list is longer than yours for two reasons. First, I had interviews scheduled, so I had to read the book before I would talk to the author. Um, Nothing like a deadline. That's right. And I'm looking at my list, and uh, have you counted? Oh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve. But there's only (laughs) ten. Nine of these I read for interviews. Wow. So that helps a lot. And the other thing, though, is I don't think we've recorded for six weeks. Right. And that makes a difference. Yeah. I mean, it was mid-May when we recorded last June. I can tell you what happened to me in June. But June just went away. I don't even really remember it. So a lot of these are your May and early July reads then? Um, Some were June. Yeah. I had just had to get them done. Yeah. It's, you know... And you don't get to be a mood reader, really. And, you know, and and I have the reviews and stuff, so that does keep me on track somewhat. But you, in particular, just, yeah, have to get stuff done. Because you actually read books before you talk to the authors, (laughs) (laughs) which is what a concept. That's right. Well, tell me about your first book. So my first book, it's called Go, A Kid's Guide to Graphic Design by Chip Kidd. 
Chip Kidd, if you've ever judged a book by its cover, you probably judged it based on Chip Kidd's designs. He is the book cover designer of note. I mean, there are books about his book cover designs. Wow. That's so cool because I love a good book cover. Mm -hmm. And so he was approached by um, R.J. Palacio. She wrote Wonder. And Pony. And she's a designer as well. But he was approached by her. She said, I think there should be a design book for kids. There's not one out there. And I think you should do it. And so he likes a challenge. And so he decided to do it because he said, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't have kids. I don't know kids. I don't even like kids. But his name is kids. So <laughs> That's right. Why exactly. not? Um, real quick, and I don't mean to catch you off guard with this question, but can you think of a cover or two that he's really famous for? Well, some of the early ones, moviegoers will know this. So you, you've seen Jurassic Park and how the logo, the logo with is the T-Rex is the, in the... But it's the skeleton of the T-Rex. Yes. That's based on his design. Oh, that was the book cover, right. Yes. For the Michael Crichton book. When he was an intern, he did Love in the Time of Cholera. Oh, yes. The book that I... I wrote a paper about him for my uh, Technologies of the Book class. We had to write a paper about a book that was important in, you know, the whole line of bookmaking, which which book do you think is the most important? And I chose Geek Love because he was a junior designer at the time. And for those who do not know, Geek Love is by Catherine Dunn, who was born in Garden City, by the way. I didn't know that. She only lived there for two years. And then, we'll, we'll claim her. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a story about a family of circus performers. They were having a difficult time finding performers to be in their circus so they decided it would be better if they just you know bred them so you know the wife would like drink Clorox or whatever to you know get her own lobster boy or whatever interesting right okay so the cover design geek love has three e's he had hand drawn the letters each of the e's are like these mutant e's None of them look alike. But what I love the most is the Knopf logo is a borzoi. It's it's like this Russian wolfhound or something. And he snuck a fifth leg into that logo. On the spine? Yes. And nobody knew it until it was on the shelves. That is awesome. So I just love it. I love that. There are so many other book covers that he designs. But the book that I talked to him about was... Like I said, I'm flipping through it. Yeah. Page, page, oh, page. it's beautiful. It's, Let it's me see. It's for kids. And it's oh. it's all of the elements of design and things that you might not think about. Oh, it's awesome. And this, I've interviewed him because they just released it in paperback. Because years ago, I think this might have been in 2013, I was the book reviewer for KMUW. I worked at Watermark and I did your job here. Much better, I'm sure. And I reviewed that book. And so they remembered that, and so they offered me an interview with him. This is great. Um, I know our listeners can't see this because it's uh, only audio, but wow, this is one of those books for kids that I would pick up in a heartbeat. Oh, my gosh, I'm seeing the uh, cover for Intensity by Dean Koontz. Talk Mm. about... um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's that abstract, um, really bright red and gold stripes, and it's so distinctive. Oh, wow. And he talks about positive and negative space and typography. You know, a lot of my communications friends would really appreciate this book as well. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Thanks for bringing that. Absolutely. That. So it's Go, A Kid's Guide to Graphic Design by Chip Kid. And go. it's not just for kids. And it's Go, winged on my TBR. Okay. It's Go, 
against a stop sign. Yes, I know. That's <laughs> very, very witty. Yes. I like that. So my first book is Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Now, this is getting all the raves. This has been compared to Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Hmm. And The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I think it's being compared to The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because she's a sassy woman in the 60s. Okay. Uh, the, the main character, Elizabeth Zott, very memorable. Uh, she is just not your average gal. Um, she is coming up in the 60s, and she is a chemist. And so this book sort of explores all that that entails with being a female scientist in the 60s, all of the misogynistic things she has to deal with, the micro and macro aggressions, but then also um, her life takes these twists and turns. She is a chemist that then becomes the host of a cooking show, and she says, because cooking is chemistry. And it's just sort of the story about her life in this, you know, very interesting period in American history and what women had to deal with. There is a dog in this um, in this book that's worth the price of admission. There's also, and the reason I think you should read this, Beth, is because Elizabeth Zott, the main character, is a rower. She learns to row. And I know you've been sort of doing that on the old Arkansas River, or the Little Ark, maybe. The Little Ark. Um, anyway, so I think you'd really like it. It's well-written. It's fun. It's light. But there are some heavier issues in there. So that was Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I think you would like it. Um, so what is your next read? My next read is a collection of stories by Lisa Tadeo. Oh, I love Lisa Tadeo. I've only read one of her books. But you've only read the one? I've only read um, Three, uh, Three women? women, but I that was, a, that was a memorable one for sure. You know, Three Women was nonfiction. And then she had one called Animal, which was her first novel. And now Ghost Lover is a collection of stories. So she's done this like literary trifecta. So she's like... So talented. Yes. So it's a story collection that dives into topics like body image, um, sexual assault, the nature of desire. They are all so incredibly well written. And I spoke with her and she was just a delight. I love when that happens. Yes. Absolutely. Stories are difficult to discuss. They're difficult to interview. They're difficult to have like in a book club because what what do you talk about unless you have a short story book club like I do. Right. And when I told her I belong to Ennui, which was just a, a group that discusses a short story every two weeks, she was very happy. She, I, I heard that interview. She wanted to be your friend. She, she was like, you are my ideal reader, actually. Or whenever you're saying, like, who was your, your ideal reader? Yeah, that's um, right. This is a question for you, though. What you're on We Book Club. Do you take one story and dissect it, or do you look at collections? We do one story. Okay, and so that is a little different. We've done several by, like, one author, but we usually just do them, you know, one at a time. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead to your next one? Okay. This was okay. a great interview as well. Oh, thank you. Okay, so my next one is Horse by Geraldine Brooks. And, you know, Geraldine Brooks writes, oh gosh, her books are so fantastic. You know, Geraldine Brooks was the author of one of my absolute favorite novels of all time, Year of Wonders. I didn't read that one. Oh, But my I've gosh. heard it's really good. It's about the Black Plague. Right. <laughs> And I read it. It was a summer read for me. It's not your traditional summer vacation read, but it held my interest like nobody's business. I loved that novel. 
You know, some of her novels, like People of the Book, that was my, I think, my favorite Geraldine Brooks book. Um, she'll weave together stories. They're like this braided story. While others are just, you know, like The Secret Chord was, was about David of the Old Testament. And so those were not woven stories, unless I'm remembering that wrong. Sorry if I am, Geraldine. This was a braided story. Horse is about the greatest racehorse in American history, Lexington. Part of this is set in the Civil War. Part of it is set in modern day where people find, you know, a painting of this horse and, you know, try to find the provenance because it was based on a real painting which this another part of the story takes place in the 60s where this woman who you know like she was one of the first women to open a gallery and she would represent people like de Kooning and Pollock but then she had this traditional little painting and so then it's like well why was this among her collection when she donated it to the Smithsonian and stuff like that so anyway it, she weaves together all these stories to make it one book that is definitely on my list for the second half of 2022 yeah. it's uh, was chosen by a book club I'm in oh, as good. our August read so that's going to be coming right up for me yeah. I can't wait because like I said year of wonders Oh, that's one of those books I'm like, and if you talk about a hard sell. You know what you should read about this summer? The Black Plague. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, not not exactly an easy sell on people, but the characters in that were so amazing. And, and the plot, it was plot and character just super, you know, strong on both sides of that. And I loved it. She's just a fantastic writer. I mean, she's a Pulitzer winner. She won the Pulitzer for March. Oh, that's right. March, which is a spinoff of the backstory of Little Women. Right. right? Mr. Okay. March. Right. Yeah. How cool. Yeah. So that's Horse by Geraldine Brooks. Awesome. Well, my second read is a very interesting uh, just backlist paperback. It's Hench by Natalie Zena Walshots. And I read this because it came to my attention from a couple of other book podcasts I listened to. And I was looking for a book to buddy read with a couple of young women friends of mine who are recent college graduates. And I thought this would be kind of a neat thing to look into. It is about, I I guess it's fantasy, (laughs) um, because it's about a woman who works for you know, you've got the superheroes of the world, and then she works for the supervillains as, you know, just sort of data entry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and um, so she's working for this supervillain. She ends up uh, being sort of a cog in the machine of this scene, and you can just really envision like a scene out of a Batman movie where, you know, Joker comes out and they have this, you know, huge um, scene where a lot of people are hurt there's just a lot of collateral damage and she is part of that collateral damage. She sustains like incredible injuries. Then she takes it upon herself to sort of tell the real truth about superheroes and how, when you really think about it, it's a selfish narcissistic sort of existence and they destroy a lot of things in their path. And are they truly thoughtful about anyway, it's, it's, I won't, I won't give too much away, but it is, yeah, it's, it's just a really interesting look at this genre that we are also fascinated by. And especially, I think it would be a great summer read because, you know, summer is the time for these blockbuster films. And Thor is out right, right now. I love when an author takes something like that and then gives you an alternate reality or this sort of 
different perspective. And I'm thinking of Wicked here right. by Gregory Maguire, oh, you know, right. the real story of the Wicked Witch of the West, things like that. I really, really dig that in a book. So, and that's what this one has. So that's Hench by Natalie Zena Walshots. Okay, so my next one is Della Wed's Destiny by Tomi Abaro. This is by a Nigerian-American writer. And it, it basically is like this multi-decade friendship among three women. We meet them when they're at university, we get their backstory, and then, you know, they're all coming back together around one daughter's marriage. And so... Um, Destiny is the bride, Della is the groom. So, okay. Yeah. And is it, would you classify it as a as a romance? Or is it like liter- literary romance, maybe? It's know. not a romance. Okay. It's more literary fiction. It's, you know, it's about the nature of female bonds and the evolving nature of friendship. Oh, I love that. And that is? That is Della Wed's Destiny by Tomi Obaro. Cool. Go to your next. Okay, so my next one is Never Coming Home by Kate Williams. Kate Williams is from Wichita. She has moved to a lot of different locations. I think she, if I remember right, like she's lived in California and Philadelphia and New York, except I could be, am I thinking of the right person? You are. Okay. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Oh, can I also say that I'm getting over COVID? Struggle bus. COVID brain. Okay, so she has lived all over, but she was born in Wichita. She now lives in Lawrence. And she has a young adult series um, called The Babysitter's Coven. And so it's... That's awesome. <laughs> I, I interviewed her for the first one. The Babysitter's Coven. Yes. A ba- witch, witchy babysitters? Yeah. Oh, that's great. If I remember right, Haley would know. She loves them, right? I love them. <laughs> okay. What a great... Se- how many... Highly are- recommend. Okay. Good to know. This is a standalone thriller. And it's basically a modern retelling, if you will. It's a spin on Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Okay. But this is called, oh, Never Coming Home. Never Coming Home. All of these influencers are invited to this retreat on this island. Um, It's a big deal on social media. They didn't release the list until right before. Nobody really knew who was going until right before. And then when they arrive on the island, um, that's when we find out that Every single person on this list has, you know, killed somebody, usually by accident or something. But somebody's death is their responsibility. They they ha- are to blame for somebody's death. And then they start dying. And someone is never coming home. Dun, dun, dun. So this is sort of a locked room mystery. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because there's no way off the island. Yes. Like, that is very Agatha Christie. So she was influenced by Agatha Christie, but this has sort of a YA bent to it. Yeah. And, and it, this brings in more, it's all social media and, you know, w- they're able to see reaction. Part of it almost reminded me of, um, oh, what's the Mocking J one or the um, uh, uh, Hunger Games? Yeah, you know how they they will announce like who died. Yes. Well, they're announcing who died. Okay. On social media oh, and wow. stuff like that. Except they're put they're doing riddles. Um, but if you look up the plot for and then there were none, it is this story. Which you know, I am embarrassed to say, I have never read Agatha Christie. None. None. I've only them. read one. I can't believe that that's true, and I'm embarrassed to say it. I've got to. I've got to rectify that. I read Murder on the Orient Express. Okay. Would that be a good one to yes. dive into? I think. Okay, I, I don't I, think you can go because wrong because I own that one. Do ding, you? Ding, ding. Okay. Where's our bill? So that was Never Coming Home by Kate Williams. 
get also going onto my list. This is the problem, uh, which which brings me to my next book. <laughs> um, the problem with this podcast for me is that everything Beth reads, I then want to read, <laughs> and um, see that which is problem. why I am reading, <laughs> though not yet finished with Trust by Hernan Diaz. And I just wanted to bring it today because one, it's one of the few books I've read <laughs> in the last month, and two, what a stunning accomplishment. I'm only about halfway through. I knew it when you described it in the last episode that it was right up my alley because I love an author that experiments with structure and point of view. And that's what this is all about. It's in four. I won't go into it because Beth did last month. It reminded me of Fates and Furies by Lauren Groff in a way, because you have a storyline told and told from different perspectives. Okay. Um, so, so it had Fates and Furies vibes for me, and that was another novel I really loved. Um, like I said, I'm about halfway through, and it's starting to be like, oh, 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 okay, all right. I see what he's maybe doing here. So I'm really enjoying it. Thank you for the recommendation. Absolutely. Um, looking it, forward to discussing it at a at a book club. Soon. And did you have you listened to the marginalia with him? I have not yet, and you know only because um, I I tend to wait until I'm done with a mm. book to to do that just in case. Mm-hmm. I know you're, you're you're careful about spoilers, yes. but I just didn't didn't want to risk. No, I, I that, yeah. that's fair. Yep, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, please leave that in there. (laughs) Books and whatnot. E for explicit. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. This next one I'm so excited about. I have it in multiple formats. I'm ready ready to dive in, but I... It came on Libro FM after I had finished it. So I, I, too, have it in... You know, I read it on my iPad. That was the one book I read on vacation. And then I bought it because I loved it so much. Well, go ahead and say <coughs> say the name because you know what we're going to talk okay. about next. We're going to talk about the storied life of A.J. Frickley. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, her new know, one, which I is know, called. I know. So my next book is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. And you've, we've heard, you've heard her every single episode because um, Suzanne loves her book, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery. And we she were, yeah, finds a way to bring it up every We were time. at an event uh, just the other night where someone came up so, uh, and said, uh, was talking about the books they were reading for book club. And she said, uh, we're reading... Um, I don't know, the storied, something storied. And I was like, the storied life of A.J. Figri? That's right. And I just sort of hugged, you know, sort of hugged the imaginary book to my chest once again. What is, uh, so Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, from what I understand, is about, sort of about gaming. It's sort of about gaming. Um, It's about Sadie and Sam, and they are both game designers. Um, But it's more than that because... When I was visiting with Gabrielle Zevin, I, I asked her, you know, how much knowledge of video games should readers have? And you don't have to have anything. I mean, this this is such a good book. I want to read this quote that's on the back. Utterly brilliant. In this sweeping, gorgeously written novel, Gabrielle Zevin charts the beauty, tenacity, and fragility of human love and creativity. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is one of the best books I've ever read. John Green, The Anthropocene Review. Which was one of the best books I've ever read. Oh, wow. I love when that happens, when you have a blurb that's like... I think this is my favorite book of the year so far. I Okay. Gosh, I'm so excited. I don't know why I haven't dived in. This, Beth, could be my slump buster. Oh. 
And, t- you know, I took 10 books with me on vacation. I only read one. Wow. And, I mean, you have to, you don't have to necessarily take your time with it, but you want to take your time Savor. with it. Savor. Savor. Oh, it's just so well done. It. Go ahead. It, it just seems to me like one of those novels that's about one thing, but really about just humanity. It really is. And it's about, you know, they love each other, but... Who is the most important person in your life, and can it be, you know, a non-romantic situation type mm-hmm. thing? So, it sounds like this would be a great book club book. Too. It absolutely would. I I can't wait to discuss it with you because I do think I think this is going to be my slump buster, Beth. I think I'm going to go home after I finish Trust and get right into this one, and then we can talk about it. I would love that. Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is from Shakespeare's Macbeth, and Shakespeare plays a a large role throughout here. I mean, there was. You know, there was reference to a, a St. Crispin's Day speech, and that's from Henry V. And I don't know, this just, it's fun when you can find those little, especially if you're like, I like Shakespeare, so it's fun when I like find those little references and I feel smart because I know what she's talking about. Well, and, and like you that. are smart, and, <laughs> and you're just now getting, and it ha- helps that you just had just gotten through your Shakespeare in, um, film. in film class, yeah. so that had to be a cool little side. But before we go on, I want to play one thing for you that Gabrielle Zevin told me. So we have another book-related podcast at KMUW. It's called Books and Whatnot. And our book critic, Suzanne Perez, and I have a conversation about what we've read during the past month. We get together once a month and, and talk about it. And I need to tell you that your name comes up in every single episode because... <laughs> Suzanne, she didn't read the storied life of A.J. Fickery as early as I did, but she, I think, feels like she loves it more than I did. So I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind giving Suzanne a shout out for her love of A.J. Fickery. Well, of course, I know Suzanne, you know, so... So I know exactly who you are speaking about. And thank you, Suzanne, for uh, continuing to, I guess sing A.J. Fickery's praises, you know, I, I think it's funny because like they're obviously very different kinds of books, you know, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, I'm writing in a very different mode than in the storied life of A.J. Fickery. And I think sometimes people think when you're writing more simply that that somehow means you're simple minded, which isn't actually true at all, you know, that it, it actually requires a lot of to write something that is kind of beautiful and simple is not necessarily simple is all I want to say, you know, about that. And so I don't think that a book has to be complicated or a book has to be simple for it to be a good book. So I I appreciate, I certainly appreciate uh, Suzanne's uh, advocacy for the story life of AJ Fickery, which is going to be a movie coming out this year. So she remembers me. (laughs) Oh my God. That was my, that was my um, stars in the eyes author (laughs) moment. That is so cool. Oh, she's, my gosh. She's so cool. She's, she knows me. Of course. Oh, Gabrielle and I. We're like this. I'm crossing my fingers. We're like this. Gabs, I call her. <laughs> Gabrielle Zevin was at the local independent bookstore for Young Jane Young. I was fortunate enough to join the bookstore owner and a few other people to have some snacks across the street after that signing. So I was just like... It took all of my willpower not to just sit there with my mouth agape, just thinking, I am with this amazing author. And she was very gracious and kind, obviously, as she sounds in the clip there. But thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. That was very sweet of you. But, you know, I I just I found her writing just she's she just seems to be so 
brilliant in a way. I think I mentioned I read this on my iPad because I had an, an, an advanced copy. I found myself, you know, touching a word just so I could get the definition because she sprinkled so many new words in there for me. But they were all just the most appropriate usage as oh, well. I love that. And Arnon Diaz did that in trust too, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's great when you can... Yeah, it's good for your brain. Reading is good for you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to so, read that one. Yeah. So that's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. And what's this next one? Because the cover is interesting. Isn't the cover fantastic? Oh, it's, did uh, Chip Kid do that? I don't know. I wish, you know, I wish books said. Sometimes they do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I would one... pay more attention to what books have inside them. Jacket design was Lauren Peters Collier. Okay, well, this jacket design is a naked person atop a turtle, <laughs> right? With uh, yes. with rope and a saddle, the and book, it's called Thrust by Lydia Yuknovich. <laughs> I gotta see this. And this book, you know, I just said that Gabrielle Zevin is brilliant. Lydia Yuknovich is brilliant. I was so afraid I was going to screw up in the interview. It was remarkable. So she was intimidating to you just because of because her of her writing. Yeah. Wow. Some of the blurbs on here from Rebecca Mackay, Kelly Link, NPR. <laughs> <laughs> also Roxanne Gay. How totally cool! What's sort of the uh, so it's setup? you know it, it doesn't follow a specific timeline it kind of jumps all over the place in the beginning we meet four people who are constructing the statue of liberty you know it's been shipped over and they are you know they're immigrants they are you know the people and so they are four of the people who are part of the ladies construction and then later in the year 2085 we meet Lysa who is a young girl, she can kind of time travel through water a little bit. She's supposed to travel and give people specific things. So, you know, she had four items with her always that she could barter for trade. And it was like a penny, a cord, an apple, or a rope. And so it's, I don't know, it's very difficult to describe. But Lydia Yuknovich told me, if you think about this book, if you approach it as you would a poem... Oh. Yeah. Isn't that great? That is great. And it does put your mind in a different sort of place. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. There was now, something. is Lydia Yuknovich, uh, where, what kind of name is that? That's an unusual name. Is she is she from elsewhere or does she just have a an ethnic <laughs> sounding name? I, you know, I think she might be Lithuanian because Lysva in Lithuanian means liberty or freedom. Oh, very cool. There were just so many different themes that she would, you know, repeat throughout. The heart was a theme that, you know, whenever you would see it come up again, you'd say, oh, yep, there it is again. It sounds like modern, like a, almost a modern classic, like something that a class would like to delve into and really dissect. It seems like something Marlon James would try. Oh, that is very telling. I like that description. Right. Because that really, yeah, Okay. And, you know, I love, a, now, is she a poet or did she just say you need to approach this as, as poetry? Because I'm thinking of another one of my absolute favorite books of the year. It actually came out last year, but it will be on my list 
of favorite books this year, um, How the Word is Passed oh, right. by Clint Smith. Right. Much, much different kind of book, obviously, but he's a poet, and it always it strikes me when poets write prose how beautiful and lyrical it is. Her novels are The Book of Joan, The Small Backs of Children, and Dora, A Head Case. And then she has a story collection, which I own, um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> it's called Verge. It just okay. came out, I think, three years ago. I and think then, I own The Small Backs of Children. Okay. And then she wrote a memoir. It's called The Chronology of Water. The Chronology of Water. And I did read that Kristen Stewart oh. read it and was moved by it, wrote Lydia Yuknovich, and they became friends. And now I think Kristen Stewart is doing a movie of on course. it. Of right. course. Can we talk just briefly about where the crawdads sing? Okay. <laughs> Speaking, yeah, uh, that's, that, about that's Thrust okay. by Lydia Yuknovich. <laughs> um, the, oh, my goodness. Where the Crawdads Sing was this super mega hit, sort of an out-of-nowhere mega hit novel. Now it's going to be this summer blockbuster, and there's all this, like, weird stuff going on with the author and stuff. We don't have to put this in the podcast, but how weird is that? And I'm going to go see the movie only because I read the book and want to see how they portray it. And then also Taylor Swift has the song Carolina that she oh. wrote originally for that. And it's set in the marshes of the Carolinas. So right. obviously interesting to me. But anyway, I, I that that is nothing about, that is something about n- absolutely nothing. No, it's, Total it's, non sequitur. That's the whatnot part yeah, of this. That's the whatnot of this books and whatnot. It's about a book though. Yes, it <laughs> Where is. Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And that, I, I do like when, when big books are made into movies just because, you know, the book is always better, frankly, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see about this one. I feel like that book has like broad appeal because, you know, I read it before it came out because yeah. I interviewed her. Right. But then my my daughters both have read it, and then I was at my friend's house over the weekend, and her daughter is reading it, and she's in eighth grade. Wow. It's one of those few books. It doesn't happen very often, but one of those books that just everybody's talking about mm-hmm. for some reason. To me, it read like literary fiction, but it did have obviously a mystery, you know, so it was a, a little bit of, of genre fiction in there, too, because there was that strong mystery uh, storyline. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It It always amazes me what you know, rises to the top of the bestseller list and for what reason. But yeah, I I enjoyed that book. Yeah. All right. Okay, so my next book is The Retreat by Sarah Pierce. And her name might sound familiar because she wrote The Sanatorium, which um, I believe it came out last year. And it it was just like Where the Crawdads Sing. It was selected as a Reese's Book Club book. Mm -hmm. The Sanatorium was about a, a... police detective and it was one of those locked room mysteries it was set um i think in the alps i didn't read it i did not know that the retreat was a follow-up to it it's a series it's a detective series and and you read this and it's number two yes and you did not read the first one i did not read the first so how did that make you feel (laughs) i feel like i feel like i should be lying on a couch right now now, did it stand up on its own, or did you feel it like you did. were out of it? A, a couple of places I thought, wait a second, what? Okay. But you know what? Whatever. A lot of authors, they have to pepper in explanations just in case this is the first time you've, you've yes, picked it up. Yes, or in case, you know, it's been years since you right. read that. You know, I always feel like with series, that's the danger for me is I feel like I'm going to forget the characters. But if an author is good, if a series author is 
adept at writing series, they definitely put you back in the place and remind you of things as necessary. So is this a mystery then? It is a mystery. Okay. You know, she too was inspired by Agatha Christie. And the island where, um, and then there were none, is very similar. It's actually close to where this island is. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, you know, one thing that she did, you know, in the first book, in the sanatorium, so the, the detective, her name is Ellen Warner, and I think we discovered a lot more about her family and her situation in the first one, and then she also had a boyfriend named Will who was very supportive. Well, in the second one, she allows him to have more of a story, and I did appreciate that. I think we've talked about this before when Antoine Wilson introduced me to the word Sonder, which is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own. That's the definition. But then, you know, it's true for characters, too. So why not let them have a little bit of a backstory and let them reveal a little bit here and there? That's what people love about Louise Penny, from what I understand, Mm. is that series, um, you know, the Three Pines mystery series that Louise Penny is so famous for is that the, she has this cast of characters and then depending on the novel one takes precedence. Oh, and interesting. Yeah, they sort of are woven together in this community but um, from what I understand I've only read the first one which is Still Life and I and I enjoyed it. Okay. But, I, but she has like I don't know I've 50 not, million now. I've not read Louise Penny. Yeah, I liked it. Okay. So that's The Retreat by Sarah Pierce. Okay. Okay, and so my next one is Any Other Family by Eleanor Brown. You might recognize her from The Weird Sisters. But this book is about four siblings who have been adopted out to three separate families who agree to continue to raise them as siblings, although in separate households. So, like, they get together every Sunday night for dinner. They go on vacations together. They also are still in contact with the birth mother, who has a place in the children's lives. And the birth mother contacts them and says, I'm pregnant again. And so then the family, I mean, it's a family. They have to figure out, you know, what's going to happen to this fifth child. And is the the couple who just adopted the, the youngest, who they're so tired because they have an infant, are they going to adopt this child? If they do not, and they bring in another family, that family has to agree to all of the rules that they've set up. With these three families, which is hard enough to coordinate with one family. Exactly. Oh, that's such an interesting premise. Right. And so it's not a locked room mystery, but it does take place on a two-week family vacation at a a VRBO in Aspen. Oh, so sort of a weird family stone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it was just interesting, and I visited with Eleanor Brown, who... She is an adoptive parent. She received a phone call one night from her OBGYN at 9 o'clock at night saying, I have somebody who came in for their six-month checkup. They want to formulate an adoption plan. Would you like a baby? Oh, my gosh. And they they weren't even considering adoption at the time. Oh, my gosh. So this gets into, you know... You and know. she adopted that baby. Yes. Wow. Her son, her son is four. Wow. But, and it's also an open adoption. Wait, she, she has a four-year-old and she wrote this novel? Right. God, I hate people. But, but you know, what I found out, though, was, you know, she said there were so many questions that she had about adoption. And when she has so many questions that she needs the answers to, she'll create characters and make them figure it out. 
that's how she solves her problems oh. is she'll write fiction and let them figure it out. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So she sort of, yeah, plays it out on the page. Yeah. So that's that one um, is called Any Other Family by Eleanor Brown. All right. And my last one, I'm not finished, but I was challenged by Susan Gusho of, <laughs> of my Ennui short story book group to read Less by Andrew Shangrier. I'm shocked that you hadn't read that because you am love too. him. I do. <laughs> I, what I, happened there? Must have been a weird time, weird timing for you. I something. bought it and, you know, <laughs> I he came to Wichita State and I've. I love everything the man has written. I mean, the Confessions of Max Tivoli, the story of a marriage, the impossible lives of Greta Wells. When he came to Wichita State to give a, a talk at the Ulrich Museum, I walked off the elevator and he was standing right there and I he looks down at my stack of books and I just looked at him and smiled and said, I'm a fan. <laughs> But then Les came out, and I didn't read it, and I don't know what happened. But it won the Pulitzer. It is the Pulitzer yes. winner. That's funny. Yes. I, I will add here, and are you enjoying it so far? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. And you'll add what? Um, I would add that uh, he has a new book coming out based on that character. It's called Less is Lost, and it's coming out in September. Right. The The pub date right now, you know how pub dates are. The pub date right now is September 20th. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I really enjoyed Less. Well, I'm reading it in anticipation so I can read the second and one. And it was, if you're one of those readers who avoids Pulitzer winners because you think they're too heavy or dark or weird or whatever, this is not that at all. It's the story of a gay man uh, sort of coming to grips with midlife. And, and he's I, an author. Yeah, yeah. And do you know who this book is dedicated to, who Les is dedicated to? No. For Daniel Handler. Daniel Handler. Lemony Snicket. Oh. They're friends. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Lemony Snicket. Oh. That brings back good memories with my kids. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to stop. You did a, you did a lot of reading, and I am going to do a lot of reading in the next month, I think. Well, this isn't a contest. But no, it's not, but you win. <laughs> <laughs> but I win. So, <laughs> thanks for joining us for Books and Whatnot. Until next time. Keep turning those pages. Bye, Beth. Bye, Suzanne. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Stancer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can reach us by email, sent to podcasts at kmuw.org, on Twitter, at Books and Whatnot, and on Instagram, books underscore and underscore whatnot. Find more conversations and a list of books discussed in this episode at kmuw.org.